0: Hello fellow griever, you have found The Leftover Pieces, Suicide Loss Conversations, and I am Melissa, your podcast host. I am with you on this journey because my 21 year old son Alex died by suicide on August 7th of 2016. And since starting this podcast in 2020, in 2021, I felt a nudge to take The Leftover Pieces further. And have now opened an online support community as well. There I lead parents who have lost a child by suicide from survival toward hope and into healing. The website is also a resource hub, a connecting point, if you will, for all survivors of suicide loss. You can find me there on the leftoverpieces.com. I am always open to suggestions for episode topics. And welcome referrals if you know someone I should have a conversation with here on the podcast. So now I invite you to join me for real conversations, candid talk on hard topics surrounding the loss of loved ones by suicide. I talk to other lost survivors, mental health experts, advocates, and on alternate weeks, I offer my own thoughts. Here, every week we explore the questions that haunt us seek the courage to uncover the healing tools within us and offer the comfort of a community that we all need so very much it's true that our hearts and lives have been shattered but come along with me and together let's choose to find meaning and even happiness amid the leftover pieces before us welcome Hello, fellow griever. Today, you have reached Season 3, Episode 20 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations Podcast, and I am Melissa, your host. Today, I have a conversation to share with you that I had a couple of months ago with a lovely woman named Erin Burden. Today, Erin Burden and I have a conversation about the loss of her daughter, Dakota, to suicide in January 8th of 2018. And today, Erin speaks about her daughter's suicide, but it was just a very short time ago that she was not even able to talk about the fact that her daughter had died, let alone by suicide. Erin and her husband, Charles, now live on the beautiful Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada, but she talks about how her very conservative Christian upbringing as a South African contributed to how hard it was for her to accept Dakota's loss by suicide. Before she died, mom and daughter were working on yoga teacher certification together and the irony in that is that Erin will share with us that that same Christian background that she talked about actually the church looked down on yoga as something you were even allowed to practice. So she talks about this entire journey from where she was then to where she is now and accepting the. Uh, holistic healing properties of yoga and how she's allowed herself through the loss of Dakota to come into touch with many other parts of herself and her own belief system and faith. For our conversation, this wonderful South African woman turned Canadian actually was in a coffee shop in Mexico where she spent several months this year honing her yoga skills, and enjoying the scenery of the Caribbean Sea. You may even hear the occasional coffee being made in the background, but it just lends to the wonderful, personal nature of the conversation that I had with Aaron. And before we're done, I will be sure to include all of the ways that you can find Erin's yoga practices because she now does some of them online and even has videos available through some of her social media outlets. And I, for one, can tell you that what she's doing for grieving parents as well as other trauma survivors is phenomenal. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, We'll dive on into the conversation and meet Erin.
1: Hi, Erin. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so
2: much for having me. I am honored to be here with you. Thank you so much.
1: Likewise, I'm honored that you're going to have this conversation with me. I am anxious to hear about your lovely daughter. And if you would start with sharing your lost story with us, I would be honored.
2: Okay, so our daughter, Dakota, she was 23 and she took her own life in January 2018. I'm not going to go into the details, but uh, it's only been in the last few months that I've actually been able to say that she took her own life and that she actually died because I've always, up until literally a few months ago, I would just say when Dakota left, I couldn't verbalize that she died
1: and it's still hard it's still hard to say it yeah
2: yeah yeah. but at least I am saying it now so that is progress. and I have admitted that it was by her own hands you know by her own trust I didn't believe it for the longest time because she'd had a lot of prescription drugs and she hadn't taken any of them to leave so or to take her own life so It was just really surprising that she left, she passed away when she did. Because we weren't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. You were in
1: South Africa at the time, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. We'd had a beautiful Christmas together and my husband had gone to South Africa um, earlier in December because his birthday is on the 1st of December and he left about the 10th of December to go and spend Christmas with his family, and then I was um, going to be spending Christmas with Dakota and my other, and my oldest daughter Laura's um, in-laws, and Laura and her husband or fiance at the time. So that's where I was going to be having Christmas. That's where Dakota and I had Christmas in 2017. It was just a fabulous Christmas, really. Really a really great Christmas and and then I left for South Africa, I think on the 31st of December. And yeah, because it had a fight with her boyfriend, fortunately, and decided that she didn't want to be around anymore.
1: Did she have any history? I asked this and I don't have any expectations of the answer because I hear all sorts of things all the time. And then sometimes some of us look back and later say there probably were more signs than I was aware of if I knew what I know now. But at the time, did you have any reason to worry about her outside of normal 20? You said she was 23, right? Outside of normal. Yeah, just- I mean, Alex was 21. So yeah, outside of normal young adult. Stress, did you have any reason to worry about her?
2: You know what? dakota coach has um, been on a really rocky road for a few years and she was coming out of that and she, but during, well, with her rocky road, but I'll tell you what happened. She broke her arm in gymnastics and when after she broke her arm, they put her on Oxycontin. I think she was 16 or 17. She was in some fat and then both bones in her arm broke on the, on the forearm and then the bones were sticking through and everything. And they put her on oxycontin And when she came out the hospital, they gave her the script. I didn't know how bad it was. <sighs> and they put a plate in her arm to hold the bones in place, which, you know, at, at 16 or 17, they shouldn't have done that because she was still growing. So just the, um, that plate in her arm caused her a lot of pain. But uh, then she started self-medicating. And I would say from then onwards, up till she was like... Um, from about 17 to 21. even She'd even spent her 21st birthday in Vancouver. So she moved away from home. And um, yeah, we had a lot of problems with her. And if I thought anything was going to happen, it would have been during those few years. with Besides myself, I was worried about her because she was on such a slippery slope of going down and she'd got into all sorts of horrible drugs and was mixing with such despicable people. She had one boyfriend who was just... A horrific thing. He wanted, well, he was her fiance. Became the fiance, and he wanted to marry her. And my husband, when they came over to meet her, she brought him to the island to meet us. And my husband just said no, and so um, she was just gonna say. She said no. She's gonna run off and marry this guy. And I said no, just wait, you know. And I tried everything to put it off. And thank goodness, he eventually they broke up. But during that time from when she was about seventeen to 21 and a half, I was really worried about her because she was catching as well. And yeah, she had a lot of health mental health issues. And so she, you know she's you've taken so many different drugs and prescription drugs. Then she's even got into a lot of prescription drugs. And yeah, I I just
1: So from the time she broke her arms and went on OxyContin, it sounds like it kind of became, I won't even say a downhill, but you said a slippery slope or kind of like a roller coaster ride of some real peaks and valleys. And it sounds like maybe she was in a little, what you thought was a little bit better place
2: Mm -hmm. when you lost her,
1: that she was starting to maybe get things together.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. I, um, she went and she moved to Vancouver. So I got a transfer with my company to Vancouver. I love my company, but I got a transfer to Vancouver so that I could be closer to her and just harass the boyfriend and do my best. So, cause he was trying to stop her from seeing that or sorry, the fiance. He was trying to stop her from seeing that. But so if I'm closer to her, I'll be able to see her more often. And eventually they broke up and she moved back to so Alice. We moved back to the island. And because I said we were all together in one place, and she said she's going to smoke pot at least. And and we said that's not with us. It's not acceptable. So she got her own place. And she was a gymnastics coach. And she got her own place, and she was going to just have her place where she could smoke pot.
1: (laughs) But, uh, yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, time passes, whether we want it to or not. And sometimes I look back and think, there's things that maybe I should have thought of or gone into more even after Alex died, because so there's so much talk if we look at it into different drugs as gateways into these deteriorating mental health states, and young people that do smoke a lot of pot and or cross it over into different drugs and ultimately what that can do to their mental health and shoulda coulda woulda how do we know what do we do ultimately it's not something that i'm asking for either of us to answer it's just something i'm putting out there to say i've wondered myself alex didn't have the severe injury the the physical trauma that dakota had so he hadn't been on any sort of painkillers or anything but for whatever reason marijuana was his drug of choice and I remember at one point as a mom, I didn't. He, he wouldn't. Had, my children never smoked it in the house either. That wasn't something I allowed either. But once he was off at college, once he went to college, he lived there full time. So, and especially once he moved into the frat house, and I kind of think paraphernalia on the coffee table in the frat house was normal. Probably is my guess. Mm-hmm. And he always tended to gravitate towards that as his drug of choice over like alcohol. And mm-hmm. at one point, I remember almost being. I don't want to say grateful because that's not really the right word, but I was almost a little thankful thinking if he has to choose one or the other, because there was a lot of alcoholism in my family. And I remember thinking to myself, I think maybe alcohol could be more destructive in the long run and being like somewhat grateful. And then as things have played out, And as I've learned more, and as I know more now, I start to think to myself, because there are so many different strains and all of the things that we just, I don't think it's the pot of the 60s. Like I, I honestly don't think it's, (laughs) I think it's a much more modified, genetically modified plant situation that occurs nowadays and that the kids get their hands on. And it does make me wonder because you're seeing so many kids that have had regular daily marijuana use and I'm seeing it tied to suicidal ideation and a lot of times suicide Mm. yeah and so it's not a bandwagon I've jumped on at this point but just hearing you talk about that with Dakota made me think that I have at times wondered whether it's whether I want to know more about it or there comes a point when you think it's not going to bring my child back but do I want to help with awareness right so I don't even know what sort of rabbit hole we just jumped down, but it just just brought me to think that I'm wondering, I know she had struggled so much, but it sounds like so much of it was tied to her injury. And we also know that the opioid addiction situation is so detrimental to young people that once they get into that loop, right? And at the time, I'm sure you just wanted her to have pain control, right? You're just thinking... I just don't want her to be in pain and then it becomes this
2: spiral of addiction. Yeah, yeah, well that's what happened. She did become addicted to different things. Oh, I don't even know exactly what because um, she kept, when she was in Vancouver for those few years, she kept herself as hidden from me as she could, uh, blocked me on social medias and everything. and. I became a super stalker as moms do. Oh yeah,
1: we briefly
2: talked I... about yeah. <laughs> so we become super stalker so, so that I was always going to be in touch with her no matter what. Like it just that's what I, I always wanted to make sure she was okay. And um, she did when she was in Vancouver um, she'd ended up in the ward a few times on different overdoses and that's why I mean during that time when she was there I was so worried about her and prayed and prayed for so it. And then she came back and she was, like definitely on the men. She'd met a very nice, well, okay, so it depends on who you talk to in my family. My husband didn't like him. I think my girls, my, my other two, they weren't wild. And then the one daughter, Kurt I think she, um think that her, Kurt's boyfriend at the time was nice enough. They'd moved in together and he did parkour. So, uh, he always wants to, he, do you know what parkour is?
1: Yes, I oh, do know what parkour is. Okay, yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
2: okay, because a lot of people don't know what it is. But then he would say, okay, if you're going to come do parkour with me, you have to be sober. And he, so he he would make sure she didn't have any pot because he didn't smoke and he didn't drink. So he wanted her completely sober so they could go and do these crazy running up the wall mm-hmm. and all the fun things together. And um I thought it was a good influence on her. And um, she would occasionally hang out with her friends that she would smoke pot with and do heaven knows what other drugs with, And obviously that would cause friction between him and her and there was quite a fight I believe on, so would have been on the weekend, there was quite a fight between Dakota and him and he said he's moving out and she decided that she didn't want to live without him. It just it breaks
1: my heart because I think to myself of knowing what I do about even my own child and, and about how what seems like a split second decision, right? It seems like a decision mm-hmm. that just came to them. They made a decision in a moment of stress, anxiety, sadness that they couldn't take back. But the reality is hearing your story, I'm going to guess that you probably feel the same way I do. While that is what happened in the the final moment, at the end of the day, there was an inner pain within them that had been going on for a long time. And they were really tired and needed to not Mm -hmm. feel the way they apparently relentlessly felt. And I'm going to guess that you've even thought, because to hear you talk about Dakota a little bit, it makes me think that trying to stay clean and sober, it was hard for her. It oh. sounds like that the inner, the inner feelings that she was having, she didn't know another way to deal with them. And it sounds like going back to pot and different things like that to almost, because that's what happens. You end up when you're struggling with whether it's, we know all the things, whether it's serotonin, well. whether it's other chemicals, whether it's a thing, physical things that have happened, but that's causing us to feel bad we migrate towards self-medication a lot yeah. of times as a human species. It's existed forever. That's why tribes would figure out what medicine they could smoke or plants they could smoke because we've always tried to find altered states for our extreme emotions. And so it sounds like that that at the end of the day that was kind of winning because when Alex went back to college, I remember he had been home for five weeks and I remember thinking he seems like he's in a better place than he's been for a really long time. And he had a kind of a falling out with a girl that week, but it wasn't a girl he had been dating. Like they kind of just dated that week. He went back and I think he had known her, but there was definitely nothing serious. And then she had said she didn't want to start a relationship. And I know that through the summer, he had really been struggling, I think, with feeling disconnected, not wanting. He was doing some of the dating apps and things, just trying to find connection. Yeah, heartbreaking.
2: great And Melissa, so as soon as I found out the news I just went horrible because it was like three o'clock in the morning in South Africa we've got a phone call. And it was my brother and I'm like, It's three o'clock in the morning why are you phoning and he said, I need to speak to Charles. And need to speak to Charles until he said and I said, Bruce was sleeping, you know, and he said, just let me speak to him. So I said, Darling, you know, um Bruce wants to talk to him," and then he told him and, and then Charles, like, threw the phone and then he said to me, uh, don't scream because we were staying in an Airbnb and that. And he said, Aaron, don't scream. This is because I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it now. Just, oh, thank you, God, that I had it for so long. It was just like the first thing because, you know, uh, there was nothing we'd left South Africa because, because of the crime situation and uh, Dakota was very traumatized about the cr- crime in South Africa. On our last break-in in the house, they stabbed her dog was a German chip. He, he didn't die, but he wanted some of the, whatever they were doing, trying to steal more stuff and, and Dakota was really traumatized about the break-ins in that and... So the decision to move back to Canada was because of the girls. If we can't take to Canada, it's a beautiful, sad country, and it just shows me no matter where in the world you are, you cannot run away from your death. And uh, the Bible tells us that God knows the number of days that we're going to live before before we even born. You know, it it it's set out. So, um, I, you know, I just have to. Um, I reconciled really with myself, okay? It doesn't matter where I was. I, I wanted, so many times, I think I should have stayed at, um, with her. I shouldn't have gone to South Africa or anything, but no matter where in the world I was, she was going to be, she was best sleep on that day, and I just had to be thankful that I had her for as long as I did.
1: Yeah, it's to hear you say that it makes me think about it. I know and I've talked about it before, but I believe deeply in synchronicities, and I've always been what I used to just call a realist. I've come to realize that I'm more of a stoic at heart, but that's just someone who takes things very at face value, and that's come to bite me a little bit as a grieving mother, because while I always knew death was a part of life, and I always knew that everybody died, and that doesn't mean I wasn't extremely sad when I lost. I was broken when I lost my dad 23 years ago, and I was really sad when I lost my grandparents, and I had one grandma I was Particularly close to, but none of that belonged in the same place as my son. And I never thought I was going to have to face the loss of a child like that. Just is not a thing we ever consider. And I am not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I think we there's room for all of us to believe everything that we believe. We're we're meant to believe things for the reasons we are and the way we are. But to hear you talk, it's just different words that I'm using. But I feel the same way. I feel that, and I didn't feel this way in the beginning but I've had enough synchronicities that have occurred that have been pointed out to me by the universe and by Alex that I honestly feel like Alex was meant to only be here for 21 years. And that was the way it always was. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it was predetermined that his life was only going to be as long as it was and the impact he was meant to make was going to be in that time. And I didn't want to believe it, but then later there's these things that have occurred that I look at some of these pieces of his life and I go, he even knew, like, I don't know. He didn't know as in consciously knew, but there were things that we can't see things ahead, but we can yeah. hindsight, right? Hindsight. hindsight. Yeah. And that does bring, and I guess that's what I'm wanting you to speak to. For me, it did bring a new level of peace and acceptance on some level it doesn't ever take your anguish or your broken heart away but it does allow things to soften a bit it does allow you to start to put it um in a place where you can move forward with it when you actually do that part of accepting i guess what it is right that we were very fortunate i've often said i'm going to cry too i've often said that if I had to do this all over again, knowing ahead of time exactly where it was going to end, I would still do it all over again without even blinking. Now, I say that, and of course, a part of us would go, but is there a way I could change it? Even if there wasn't a way I could change it, every single moment of that young man's life was glorious. And it doesn't matter if he had 21 years or 81 years, I was really lucky to be his mom, and I know you feel yeah. about Dakota, you were really lucky to be her mom. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I 100% believe that. I don't really believe in luck, I believe blessings instead of luck, because that's just, I've always used that terminology. I don't think luck, I think blessings. And, but the thing is, you know what? I was always a very, you know, I did my best to be religious, okay? Like, um, I was brought up in boarding school pretty much from when I was nine and you used to go to church. So I was always brought up very religious um, instructions my whole life and things like that. So when I have my kids, of course, I'm going to take them to church and, and it's going to be religious. And like my one daughter said to me the other day, <laughs> that before you get give a good hiding in the uh, parking lot, and then walking church and this would be all proper and everything, <laughs> just for a good show. But Dakota was more spiritual, and like I look at her spiritual journey because when she was, um, I was so concerned about her. She was starting to do, like, getting to color energy. And I see you like the, the rocks and the crystals, and she was starting to do all that, and I was like, oh. Goodness, what is she doing? This is so bad and so evil and everything and it's so funny because like I'm starting to get into all of this now and then it's it's and I'm, I'm I feel I'm becoming more spiritual than just religious because when we're religious we we it's religious instructions and and we it's full of ceremony and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do and when I you went know it, that's the right thing to do. I just need to follow my heart now. So. And the funny
1: part is, and I've butted up against that before with thinking that not myself, because I wasn't raised um, with religion, but I even not being raised with religion before before losing Alex, I wasn't open to what feels and it always has felt completely natural to me. If you've ever heard me talk about in my episodes, I talk about how I used to collect rocks as a child. I've always felt connected to (laughs) the earth and I've always said earth elements are where I'm. I've always had wood and stone and all the, all what I consider earth elements, and, and I'm very tactile. And so those have been things that have always, but we worry about the perceptions of society and out in the norms. And for me, it becomes about, it's more spiritual. And I look to indigenous tribes that have always been of the earth and the heavens and natural elements. And that has always spoken to me. And I don't know mm-hmm. why I do have a Native American in me, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's where some of that comes from or what, but it's always exactly. that has always resounded and spoken to me when you talk about the elements of the earth. And to me, mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It's about connecting with the energy of our universe yeah. and our planet. And mm-hmm. we are nothing more than energy of our universe and our planet yeah. with a, with a beating heart. Right. Yeah. But our our soul is our energy. Yeah. That yeah. just is what it is. And so for me, it's about learning to connect to my soul because losing, losing a child to me, stripped me down to a place that that if I didn't have that to build me back up, I don't know what I would have had I I had. And it allowed me to connect with him. Mm -hmm. I never thought I was going to have to connect with somebody on the other side, the way I feel I have to connect with my child. Yeah, yeah. Even my own dad, I didn't feel the need to have to connect with on that level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alex was gone before I actually felt like I connected with my dad in spirit and My dad was the most important person to me besides my children. And so I was only 30 when he died and he was 48. He got cancer and was gone in four months. And he had it but didn't know for a long time. And and by the time he was diagnosed, it was very advanced. And I was busy being a mom. I had three young children and I had always lived in that, you know, suburban upright world where we weren't going to do that kind of stuff. And So I never really thought about being connected to my dad in that way. And Mm -hmm. Alex hadn't been gone very long and I was in the house and I had kind of been probably ranting a little bit to myself, like talking to dad and I hoped that dad had him. And I was just, and I remember walking into a room and getting this sudden whiff of cigarette smoke and nobody in my family or life smokes no one had ever smoked in that house since we had lived there, but it was like somebody was smoking next to me. And immediately I thought of my dad. It must have smelled like his cigarette smoke. And I, I, I poo pooed it off. And I went to another room of the house and was doing something and turned a corner and smelled the same smell. It took three times in three different rooms of my house. And I literally stopped the third time, Aaron, and said, Dad? Like, and it was in that moment that I knew, Dad was with Alex and he was telling me Melissa, I got him and he's here and he's good. And I had never felt that connection with him before, but I had suddenly allowed myself to be open Mm -hmm. to things that I just wouldn't allow in before. And, and, and when we open ourselves and so this is, I'm doing this on purpose because I want us to segue to the yoga and how you and Aaron were and because I feel like there is something that happens with yoga that allows us to open our chakras allows us to open and line up, and so I'd like to use this as a way to segue into you talking about yoga with Aaron and how that became to be something that you're doing for trauma and grief work because I know it ties back to Dakota, and it allows us to maybe both stop crying for a little bit, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay, so just and. So, um, let just tell you about the religious side of it. Is that as a Christian in South Africa, we were not meant to do yoga. So I started with it, but because I've had a shoulder injury, I had to do it. And then I said, okay, quickly, got my body healed. The church wasn't so happy. Oh, you shouldn't be doing yoga. Okay, so I'll just feel my body quick as I can and um, stop doing the yoga. And then when we moved to Canada, the second time, the girls were 14, 16, 18. Okay, Melissa, three teenage girls in the house, I was straight <laughs> beyond stressed, and I had to do something, and I said, like, I hey, you know what, I'm just going to do yoga, I'm just going to do yoga, because I actually found there is calm to my soul and everything, like, whenever I'm in the mountain, I can get a chance to like, just be calm and pray, and um, I've always believed you know, in Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. And um, so I know Dakota is with Jesus now. But, and then I used to tell people, you know what? Maybe I was blaspheming. I don't know. Maybe I'm blaspheming. But I geez, think he
1: would have personally. I, but <laughs> I,
2: I can't see why it it is such a. I think the churches have now moved on and realized, okay, you know what? This is because you can connect to God with it. Dakota and I started our yoga teacher training together. And, and so I finished it for us. I did it and I take it. you a
1: little while to embrace the fact
2: that you were gonna do that? Or did you do it right um, away? No, I came within a few months. Because I left in January I did my finish the teacher training first in October. I came I went to Mexico and um because I was looking online where did I, I wanted to go somewhere on. I wanted to actually go back to South Africa and finish it there Because I, I love um Africa Formation I just but okay, you know, go somewhere where I can be. But I remember we to Mexico in twenty thirteen from Canada and she said to me, Oh mom and Dad, just go and get a place in Mexico. you never have to go back to Africa to you go and get a place in Mexico and your clothes. Came to Mexico and I finished the yoga teacher training for us um in October twenty eighteen. I didn't really do much with it. I taught one or two friends of that but i i kept my own practice going the whole time. I had stayed in bed after the period of lift to about April. I'll tell you, I don't know how you look, but I, for the whole, until I, I didn't wash my hair for months, I didn't brush my hair for months, I would make sure eventually I was bathing or showering daily. But um, no, I was in quite a state. So when I got to Mexico to do the teacher training, I made sure I wash my hair, made myself look as presentable as possible, and then I'd show up to the teacher training every day. And you know what? I started to of feel Dakota with me on the mat, and I was getting hot, and I would sweat. And then I—it sounds crazy, I know—but I can smell her sometimes. When um, it sounds disgusting too, but I—I I, I sometimes I really like I can smell her. But if i have done a hectic class, a very aggressive class, then I can smell Dakota on me. <gasps> it's with me and I can feel her in my chest, and um. You know, between her and Jesus, my heart is full. When I'm there on the mat, I'm like, ah, thank you, God. I love it. I love to hear that. And
1: so then, so I know you're in Mexico right now, but you do live in on mm-hmm. Vancouver Island, right? Yeah. And you're just yeah. down in Mexico for the, yeah. the season. And when you decided to do yoga with Aaron and have it be more than just your own personal practice, I know that you do specifically want to be able to do yoga that helps um, for grieving and trauma. I know you probably do uh, and beginners like you're not mm-hmm. because I know that when I first did yoga, it was a surprise to me. It was before I lost Alex. It was a surprise to me that I liked it. I had signed up for Zumba with a friend mm-hmm. and then I signed up with uh, for a yoga class. And I don't remember why I signed up for yoga Other than I, I just was curious and I thought Mm -hmm. I've never done it. I've always been a goer and I thought it would be, I thought I would be bored. Like in my mind, Mm -hmm. I thought, how am I going (laughs) to sit there and just be calm? And I'm, I have rhythm and I love music. And so I thought I'm going to love Zumba, but I'm going to try yoga. It's exactly the opposite. I couldn't stand Zumba (laughs) class, could not stand it and loved the yoga. It was like, apparently what I, my soul did not know. I needed the yin to my yang yeah. And so then after losing Alex, I briefly did yoga again for a while. And wow. so admittedly, I feel like there was no accident in you coming into my life because it was at a time that I was back to the place of saying, I don't know why I haven't had any sort of practice like this in my life the last few years, but I need mm-hmm. something. The pandemic threw all of us into a, a tailspin. And part of my plan was going to be to go find a yoga studio. And then all of a sudden we're all on lockdown and we can't leave our house and what? And so yeah. you just yeah. kind of table it, right? So that's what happened. So I'm excited okay. to start watching your videos and maybe showing up at some. But you, what is your plan for your practice? How do you do it? Do you just do it in person? Do you do it on Zoom? Talk a little bit about this is your platform. Okay. Talk about
2: yoga. Thank recently. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. and right. Um, right now I do it in person. I I just I don't have a studio. I teach outdoors. So even um, here in Mexico I teach outdoors. There's a Lovely place. I go teach outdoors and, um, in, in Mexico, well, and even in Canada. It's just by donation. In Canada, I've got the most beautiful, um, platform in, um, overlooking the ocean. It's one of our parks there and, um, I teach there. I just love it. I love being able to be outdoors. I feel so connected, you know, to the to nature, to God, to everything. I feel more connected outdoors. So, Math that here, that's why I love to teach. And um, but then I have to, I started trying to teach online on Zoom, and I'm saying trying because it's so challenging for me. And um, the class that I actually sent you the other day when you get to it, I did it five times because I couldn't figure out what I'd done wrong with the Zoom. And somehow in my settings I turned my camera off so it looked like I was filming and, and it. It's a challenge for me Zoom. I am going to overcome it and I will be teaching via Zoom. Because the thing is for me, because i have had a history with yoga before the code had left, after about four months and literally that the thing that our bodies are in so much physical pain. And I thought, God, I can't live like this, cannot live like this And you know what, even if no matter how many painkillers you take, it doesn't get into this soul that right. are, are storing the, the grief. This is all sort of metaphysical stuff that we're talking about now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, no painkiller. I've never found a painkiller that could kill that pain for me. And because I've had a history with yoga, so I knew, okay, eventually get up. And you when know, I looked online, grief yoga, grief yoga, and I couldn't find any grief yoga. My, the fabulous, um, woman I love, I found this yoga with Cassandra, and she's a Canadian girl. And all her classes are just online. That's all she does now. She teaches online. I said, oh, I'm going to follow my business like this. I'm going to you know, do what Cassandra did and just teach online. And uh, she's got a lot of um, great videos. 10-minute videos is all I could start with. 10 minutes, and I'm done. I would get up, even do it in my pajamas, and then go back to bed. But um, it helped. It started helping and then I could do her 20 minute classes and then half hour class. It was a slow, gradual thing getting back into the yoga. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I have and learning about the chakras when I did my teacher training. There's, I've still got so much to learn with yoga. I've only got my level 200, which a lot of people, that's where they're going to stay. And that's perfect. But for me, I know there's so much more that I want to learn about the yoga. And, um, but I know it helps with depression, anxiety, stress. It moves the, the grief out of yourself. It moves it. It moves the energy. And that's the thing that thing is you're getting the energy out, the negative energy out of your body. And, uh, with the meditation, the breathing and the movements, because yoga's got eight limbs. It's been a real saver for me. You know, whenever I'm on my mat, I always pray, I always thank God for it, I always thank Dakota for getting me on this path, you know, because I loved what you said in one of your podcasts the other day, and, and this is it. I'm, I'm gonna li- live in the, it is hard to say. In, in the, the light, light
1: of her life instead of the, the darkness of her death,
2: yeah. That's it, yeah, And, and I'm living in the light of her life, and every day I'm just I, I do yoga, whether I'm teaching it or not. Every day I do my yoga, and it, it it helps me. It heals me. If I go a day without it, I can feel my body clenching up and getting sore again. But no, okay, back to yoga every day. And even if it's a 20 minute stretch, I do it, and I feel so much better for it. And I want to be able to share that with other people. Um, so I'm going to be volunteering with Namba with the hospice there. And I've organized a studio there that I will be able to um, have for free, which is very, very good of the company. Uh, We'd arranged this before COVID, but they will let me use their studio to teach grievers for free, which is a real blessing. And it can be done by donation. But yeah, so I've got to do the course before I'm allowed. I've done not my yoga course, but I've got to do a course with the hospice Mm -hmm. so that I know how to talk to grievers not that I really want to be talking too much. I want to be able to be just sharing and helping them. But yeah, so I've got that planned. And I'll be doing more yoga via Zoom. It's growing. It's a growing business. I'm excited to
1: see where it goes. I plan to be right there on the front lines watching you and being a part of it. And that's my goal is to start with 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Build yeah. it up, add it to my toolbox. I always talk mm-hmm. about that. I was watching something yesterday, I think. Time gets away from us, but I think it was yesterday. Where somebody was talking about one of the practices that they had and the misconception. And it wasn't yoga. I'm trying to think of what it was. It was a metaphysical practice, which
2: mm-hmm.
1: yoga really is a metaphysical practice, which is where you said yes. the conflict was within the church to, mm-hmm. to say yeah. that, that somehow something that's metaphysical, meaning of the earth, the planets, the, the universe is somehow mm-hmm. not godly. And for me, who's yeah. not a religious person, that doesn't make sense at all. I feel like all of that would be a part of <laughs> the realm yeah. of what God would expect you to be a part of. To me, it feels yeah. like you're honoring your yeah. connection with your God. But, and I honor that it, it kind of took the loss of your daughter to be able to allow you to say, I've I've got to open myself. And yeah, I, I love, I love the conviction you have to, to your faith and your journey as grieving mothers and, and people that are grieving significant losses of their loved ones, to suicide is we're learning to live alongside of this. And whatever tools resonate with us, the more of them we can put in our life to keep us centered and grounded. And I'll just say the word sane as a mother. Yeah. The better it isn't about yoga is going to fix you. It isn't about no. how um, energy work. We all do different things in order to find peace, yeah. to help move the energy. Yeah.
2: You but
1: knowing that we have the tools to move the the grief and to get it out of us. Because what happens is that, that was all building up and becoming, the trauma was just building up to a point that it was toxic. And I was like being in a sludge, right? Yeah. Where you just yeah. think, this is just going to consume me. Yeah. And there's no way I'm going to con- be able to live with this. And it's honestly, it's hard to hear. But it's honestly about making choices at some point to say yeah, yeah, and, and and it sounds cliche, but another mom can say it to another mom, but you really have to make a choice at some point to say, my son's life and my son was so magnificent that the last thing I, I can do to honor his life is quit living mine yeah yeah, and right. I feel such a responsibility to shine his light to the rest of my days, make sure. There's a part of him that's still shining that people know how wonderful he was. And Mm. I can't do that if this consumes me. And I know that in no manner would my son want a painful momentary decision of his to ruin my life. Now, I also know that he would take it back if he could. Mm. I just believe that with everything in my body. But that's not an option. So... It's really hard to make the choice to stand up and live and still is. Some days I don't win. There's occasionally days I look at my husband and say, today I'm not winning. Today today I'm losing this battle and I might just have to take a nap or sit on the couch and watch TV today. And I honor those days. And then I go on and I pick myself back up and keep going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's just, it is. That's just how we have to live our days. And through our days, our in the big picture of the things we're, we're choosing, both of us choosing to live in the lives of our children's lives rather than in the shadows of their death. And, and oh, love that. I just, that It wasn't
1: mine. I took it from somebody else and I wish I could quote who it was because when I saw it, there was no author, like it was just one of those yes. unknown. But I took it and said, I saw this and it, it resonated with me so loudly. So I'm glad that sharing it has allowed it to resonate with other lost survivors because... Yeah. It yeah. was something at the time I really needed to see, because I did need to. It's almost like I needed permission to continue to go on living and not be looked at like, "Well, is she just okay now?" No, yeah. I'm not okay, but I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it was like I needed a way to give myself permission to say. It's okay to find a way to live and be as happy as I possibly can be alongside of the worst thing that's ever happened to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah, we really do. You have, and Dakota had two sisters, you have two other daughters, and you have a husband. Talk just briefly about how this has worked with your family. Is there anything you feel like you could share or impart on how? You've either gracefully dealt with this as a family. How you're faring with it now? Is that something you want to share, or care okay. to? Each of us breathe differently.
2: My one daughter has done a lot of counselling, and she was um, set up a suicide loss um, survivors, suicide survivors loss group in Vancouver. She did that for a few years. I was so, and we stopped and I was upset that she had the suicide with Dakota because I wouldn't accept it and because my husband who obviously was just trying to support me also didn't want to accept that it was suicide so I was upset that she'd done that but looking bad good for her for doing it and she accepted it right away and I just never could and my other daughter she hasn't been for counselling she's dealing with it in her own way as best she can her and the kids were very close, and my husband also has not been for counselling. We have pretty much isolated ourselves. Fortunately, I don't do very well. You know, like I'm happy to go out and teach yoga, and then I come home, and that's it. That's my. I don't like mix around with people too well. Not yet. I, I went out to dinner with some ladies a few months ago, and. Uh, they, one of the women had said to me, how many children have you got? And that was it. I, 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 just said, I've got to leave. It was just disastrous for me that evening. And so I, 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 really try and, um, limit my exposure. My husband, he, um, speaks to his clients and pretty much we just mix together with the family and that's it. You know, even we don't go to a lot of family events. We're taking a long time. My psychiatrist said that I've got, complicated, grief, for something.
1: Yeah, guess what? My life is complicated now. It's complicated yeah. by the fact yeah. that my child is not here on the planet with me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I remember at one point saying to my husband a couple of years in about, at some point I said, somebody had said something about whether I was depressed or not. And I remember looking at him and I said, I think that if I wasn't depressed, something would be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But it just becomes where we have to we have to walk our own journey in the way that makes sense to us. Yeah. There's cultures all over the world that honor grief. You're in Mexico. They walk I alongside their dead. In Asia, they're mm-hmm. very much the same way. They very yeah. much talk about their dead the way they do their living, like their mm-hmm. ancestors are with them. Yeah, and I wish I that was more accepted in Western culture to say. Mm-hmm. And so what you pointed out, I find true so often. My life is that way too, where you become much more isolated. And I could, we could give it that nasty term of antisocial, but I don't really think that that's appropriate because it just becomes about being more of a solitary person and being yeah. more quiet and being okay. And you're right. It can be absolutely painful to be in groups of people and know those questions are coming. No, And it isn't even that I don't want to talk about Alex because I do, yeah. but there's just, my heart starts to race even talking about this on a podcast regular even believing that talking about my story and knowing that it's cathartic i still get in a group of strangers and i still have my blood pressure go up i can confidently say
2: that i don't need yeah. small talk and small surface relationships i know i've got my friend like my one friend from school she lost her sister when she was uh, a man who was 14 and she was driven and killed by a drunken driver and that and Her and I, she's my one friend from school that I can still connect with. And she lives in the States. And she saw her mom and her dad breathe the the whole lives. And, and I can actually connect with Linda and say, yeah, thank you. You know, thanks. Other people, you know, other friends sort of, they don't get you anymore. They just don't get you. My mother used to say, a good book is better than bad company. And it's so hard to read. I was listening to one of your other podcasts. (laughs) It's so hard to read books. But I That's do why I podcast,
1: Erin. <laughs>
2: yeah. I love all your podcasts, and you've helped you've helped me so much with them because I know the one time you were saying, "I wonder if I help people, like you're helping a lot." I'm so grateful. Yeah. So we don't feel very safe in most of our world, so it's I feel anxious. I feel anxious around other people, and I'm there to teach yoga. I because when I, I'm alone. When I'm going to be sure that I'm sharing something that is a gift, I'm sharing Mm -hmm. my gift with you and it's good, it's um, positive, it's good and I'm helping you feel better as well as me. So it's like me giving you a gift and I love it. I'm just, I love it, but I don't want to be talking too much after that. You know, like I, I just want to be able to give you this or because a lot of my work has to do by donation, but give it to you and then leave. But yeah,
1: I am. I'm so thankful that we have this conversation today. I feel like I can't wait to continue to connect with you and have people find you and find your healing yoga as your practice continues to grow. And you'll figure out Zoom. It's not that hard. And you know, I look back at some of the things when I. You'll be fine because I think about when I started podcasting and how overwhelmed I was when I first thought like, how am I going to hook up the microphone? How am I going to do this? And I remember when I was learning it and it was taking so long. I remember saying, just keep going. I'm going to get better at this. And before long, yeah. I'll turn around and think, Oh, remember when that was so hard? It's not anymore, but it's you will get to where it's seamless. And I'll look back at you a year from now and go, Do you remember when you were having so much problem with zoom? Look at you now, Aaron. So it'll be great.
2: Melissa, please can I just tell you one last yes, thing? Yes. So please with do the, with the, all this concept of the business starting. And I never actually had it in the beginning date so because I built my website about June or July of this year only, which is 2020. 20, no, 20 I built it the last year. I, I started building it and then I started working on a formal business plan in October and then I put in the paperwork to register it as a third of the business and please try and guess when and my business actually got registered. And this is literally five chops.
1: I know the answer because I saw. I think you
0: either told me <laughs> in Dakota's an email. On Dakota's
1: birthday. Yeah, yes, on Dakota's birthday. And I thought and how well, odd that it's December 1st is her birthday, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's and the beginning of my business now. That's it. She's with me all the way with it. <laughs> I love that because it isn't like you set out to say, yeah. I'm going to do this on her birthday. Yeah. It's just the
2: way it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she's with us. I'll kiss with us. I believe that. I really do. I can feel her now and again. and sometimes when I don't feel her around I'm like, oh, she could have been. and then I've got to realize, okay, she's got another life wherever she is, and she's busy, and she causes to sing with me the whole time.
1: right. There are other people I know I do that too sometimes. <laughs> I think I feel like there's been a bit of a lull, and then I think someone yeah. else needs him more
2: than I do yeah. at this moment. Yes. That is such a beautiful soul. And I was learning from her and, yeah, place with being her mom. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now you're going to continue to learn from her just in another way. And I'm just so grateful. So anything else you want to share? Because I will make sure that people have all the ways to connect with you in the show notes. You're already on my website and my resources. And I'll continue to put you out in my community and in our community because you're a part of my community. And I'm just excited to see it grow and to have it help so many grievers.
2: Yeah, no, Melissa, this is lovely. Thanks. for appreciate it. Yeah. Likewise, talk-
1: we will undoubtedly talk soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you
0: so much. Grievers, it is my hope that from today, you will take that which serves you and simply leave the rest. If you connect with what you have heard, please subscribe to get notified of my new episodes every week. And please feel free to share it with others in the suicide loss community. If you are so led, I would also be honored if you would leave a review so that others might find us more easily. You can find me and always to connect with me at my Instagram, The Leftover Pieces. I want you to know that I know how very, very hard life is now. It's true that we will never be the same, but we are going to be okay. We will figure this out somehow, together. And we will keep our loved ones with us because there is no getting over or past grief, only learning to live more gracefully alongside it. Only through talk can we keep their memories alive, learn to live again, and bring some awareness so that less will suffer. Join me again next week, and we will keep the talk going. We will sign off today as always, with the wise words of my Alex's favorite, Peter Pan. Never say goodbye, because goodbye means going away, and going away means forgetting. Grievers, no one here is forgetting. Talk soon.